Donald Trump usually starts tweeting at about noon, when the noonday gun goes off in Cape Town, um, which is about three o'clock in the morning his time. And uh, the latest tweet was how he will not be attending the White House Correspondents' Dinner this year. Now, the White House Correspondents' Dinner is traditionally um, where journalists and the president get together and they kind of joke around. I think Donald is a little bit sensitive at the moment. Things are a little tense between him and the media. Tara's on the line. Tara, can you tell us what's happening in the relationship between Donald Trump and the media? Melanie, every day when you think that it can't get worse, it gets worse. And in fact, sometimes it gets worse by the minute. Um, There is a full-on intentional targeted attack against the media coming from the administration. Um, Chief political strategist Steve Bannon is constantly saying things about the media being the opposition party. Donald Trump himself is always talking about the failing New York Times, the failing Washington Post. Well, coincidentally, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and CNN, in my opinion, have done the best job of breaking negative stories about him. So... And really um, fact-checking him as well. Really fact-checking him. And, Melanie, it's really unprecedented. And in my opinion, impressive. I'm very proud of the press right now because, you know, we operate under this sort of veneer of objectivity. But how far can your objectivity go when you are charged to speak the truth and call truth to power? So there are constantly headlines saying uh, Trump said this, yet that was a lie. And in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like that, but they are flagrantly calling him out when he needs to be called out. And despite him saying things like the failing New York Times, I mean, subscriptions to those kind of publications and the, and the Washington, P, um, Washington Post are through the roof. Uh, through the roof? It's incredible. And not only that... Um, These news organizations are adding staff like crazy. They're adding whole investigative units. NPR has added a whole unit. I want to say there's six reporters and three um, assistant staffers. Don't quote me on those numbers, but it's around there. Um, Just to investigate his conflicts of interest. That is all they're going to do. And it was interesting. I was listening to an interview the other day with the woman who is in charge of heading that unit, and she said that the other reporters are relieved not to have to worry about that topic in particular because there's so much else they have to chase down all the time. In terms of the media, is there a sense of solidarity? You know, I think so. Um, Obviously, you know, you and I have both been in the media for a long time. I don't know how competitive competitive it is for for all of you, your press corps there in South Africa. Um, You know, obviously the press, we're working against each other for scoops. We want to, you know, have the best reports. We want to win the awards for our organization. But I never sensed animosity or hostility. And it's really on display right now. For instance, um, Shep Smith of Fox News, you know, I'm sure your listeners are aware Fox News is a very conservative yeah. news organization. They say that they're not, but they are. Um, you know, was speaking up on behalf of a CNN reporter the other day, um, 
in in an eight minute tirade against Donald Trump, and that to me was shocking. I mean, he just he lost his temper. He couldn't take it anymore. And then um, I don't know if you said this to your audience during your lead-in to me, but yesterday. Um, another unprecedented thing happened, and I know you wanted to talk about this. Um, the chief of communications, Sean Spicer, held what's called a media gaggle, which is sort of like an informal press gathering. It's not quite a press conference. He had it in his office, and he wouldn't let in six news organizations. And we're, we're not talking fringe organizations. We're talking the Washington Post. Uh, the L.A. Times, BBC, The Guardian, and two more. And um, and then other organizations were, also stayed away in solidarity. That's right. That's exactly right. Three organizations did major ones, the Associated Press, Time Magazine, and USA Today. And then a spokesperson from the Wall Street Journal, which, as you know, is a conservative-leaning business publication, but, you know, incredibly reputable. Spokesperson there said if we had known that that was happening, we wouldn't have sent our reporter there either. And and Donald Trump saying he's not going to be going to the correspondence dinner, I mean, that must be unprecedented for a president not to go. I mean, this is people really criticize the correspondence dinner because they say it's all the Washington elite chumming it up with the politicians they're supposed to be covering. Um, so it's not without its scrutiny and controversy, but it is a time when, you know, the president can kind of poke, you know, poke fun at himself, you know, poke fun at some of the reporters. And it's, it's a night to sort of let your guard down. And yeah, he's just on the, on the, on the offense. 24-7, and like um, Steve Bannon said to a group of conservatives at the CPAC conference, I believe it was yesterday, that we are going to stay on the attack at all times. They're going to be re- relentless, and he said the press is going to pay for it. Let's move to the, the town hall situation, because there was a congressional recess, and the senators and the congressmen go back to their areas. Can you talk a little bit about what the town hall actually is? Sure. Um, now, I'm guessing that is not something that you do there in South Africa. No, I'm just curious. <laughs> no not at all. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, maybe that reflects a lot of ignorance on my part. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you're chuckling. Um, a town hall is really just any gathering when a politician goes back to um, his district and listens to his constituents, his or her, sorry, um, listens to his or her constituents. And um, what's been happening since the Trump presidency is a lot of Republicans who go back to their districts and try to hold town hall meetings are facing a lot of furious constituents. Voters are angry because a lot of Republicans during the campaign were not in support of Trump. And now that he's president, not all, but many are sort of telling the party line. And especially the Democrats are scared, they're resentful, and they're trying to get some answers. And what's happening is some Republicans are then canceling their town hall meetings, in my view, because they don't really want to face. So they're basically, yeah, they're basically running scared. That's what I think. (laughs) <laughs> of course, you know, you, you ask them about it and they have some sort of, uh, there's a 
political comedian I watched named Phil Marr, and he had on um, a Republican representative from California um, Friday night, and he asked him directly, why have you canceled, you know, why are you running away from your constituents? You're not holding town halls. And, And he said, I have met with the public, you know, 20 times in the past several months, but not as far as I know, held a town hall meeting. So, I mean, that's, the, that's the residents have the residents have really got quite creative. I mean, I've seen they've put out like missing posters and on milk bottles and giant billboards, basically saying <laughs> this this representative is missing in action. And I'm sorry, what was the beginning of what you said? Who did you say is doing that? Some of the residents in certain areas are basically saying, "Where are our representatives? We can't find them." Um, and put, putting oh, yeah, out big rest, m- missing posters. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, as many people throughout history who have been oppressed um, or whose voices haven't been listened to have really had to turn to humor, <laughs> you know, to get, <laughs> you know, to survive and, and get their message across right. So, for instance, um, I live outside Philadelphia, and um, one of the Pennsylvania senators is a Republican, and people have started standing outside of his office every Tuesday. His last name is Toomey, so they're calling it Tuesdays with Toomey. <laughs> and hundreds of people gather outside of his office protesting because they say he won't meet with them. He has just announced that he's moving his office into where the custom offices and you can't get into that building without passing through security. So that's an example. Now, I will say, in defense, um, a lot of these politicians have never been so inundated with as many calls, letters, appearances by constituents as now, and they really just can't. I mean, there's really is moving people people from from apathy to activism. It's amazing. Did you have any women's marches where you are? We did. We had one in the company gardens. And um, just this solidarity. I mean, I really can't tell you how many people I know, from my mother to my ex-boyfriend, who are really paying attention for sometimes the first time, and not just paying attention, but like you're saying, getting on the subway, making a sign, and going to their first protest ever, and coming home exhilarated. I know you're a liberal. What's it like for you personally um, living in a Trump-led America? It's terrifying. I mean, (laughs) people who voted for Trump don't want to hear that. They, They call us for losers. They call us special snowflakes which means that we think we're all so special. They call us libtards. People are scared, Melanie. I mean, immigrants are scared. Gay people are scared. Jews are scared. My family's Jewish. I I see so many comparisons to Nazi Germany. And in fact, just today, I had a long conversation with an 80-year-old German man who was a Bernie Sanders supporter of all things, but he grew up in Germany, and I asked him in preparation for this chat that you and I are having, what do you remember about Hitler's treatment of the press? And he said, Hitler did the exact same thing that Trump is doing. He selected certain news organizations that he would not let in to, he wouldn't speak to them because he didn't like what they were reporting. 
And Trump, and we didn't get to this, but really this is the most important part of Trump's, in my opinion, of Trump's relationship with the media is that he and Steve Bannon try at every single moment to discredit the media by making up incredible lies, saying, telling listeners and, and Twitter followers the media lies, the what, I think you said this before, the failing Washington Post, yeah. um, they, it's I think he said today, or maybe it was yesterday at that CPAC conservative conference, um, they don't have sources. When they don't have sources, they just make them up. I mean, yeah. in that, and, it's, and it could continue other- for four more for, for the full four years if he's not impeached. It could continue for eight more years if God forbid he's reelected. Tara Nguyen, I love speaking to you. I could speak about this all night, but apparently we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us.